Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. So if you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Revelation rather slowly, but um, we're not in a rush. We want to learn principles uh, this is my opportunity to disciple you, cannot do it individually. And so this is an opportunity, as the Word says, that my calling is to disciple you for the work of the ministry. And that's not just for the work of ministry here, but that's ministry elsewhere, 24-7, wherever the Lord might have you to minister. So let's look at Revelation chapter 1. Uh, we made it through verse 8. But let's go back to verse 1. Chapter 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and there's only one Holy Spirit, you can get the CD, they're free, they're over on the wall over there, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the first one to rise from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from all our, from our sins in his own blood, to celebrate that this morning, communion, and made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. Father, we continue in our worship of you. Um, our lives are to be worshiping you 24-7, depending on what we're doing. We should worship you in our work by being the best employee or employer on the job site. Loving people, being kind, being gentle, giving that example of what it means to serve. Father, we thank you and praise you that now, as a body of Christ, we thank you for the opportunity we have to open your word. We know this is illegal in many countries. And just a few years ago, it was illegal to gather this larger group together in this country in some states. So Father, we thank you and praise you for what is happening in our country. We're living in biblical times. We're living in the last days. 
should not surprise us. It definitely grieves us. But I pray, Father, that it would also wake us up to understand that people are going to hell. There is a delusion, not the strong delusion, but there is a delusion that has come upon this world where chaos is the best. That's from the pit of hell. So, Father, help us to stay focused and that we'd have your peace upon our lives and we would give that peace to others that they might come to know the peace of God. For in this world, they're not going to have peace apart from Christ. I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to go over verses 9 and 10 this morning. So let's look at verse 9 again. I, John, we know this to be the Apostle John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation, so we're going to focus on that this morning, and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island of called Patmos, Patmos, however you like to pronounce it, for, and I actually have this highlighted in my Bible, I encourage you to have a paper Bible, I encourage you to highlight your Bible, write in your Bible, make notes in your Bible, if you don't want to do that, make notes in a journal, but I think it's really important to highlight and maybe you're going to highlight something different, you know, from year to year. Um, July 1st, praise God. I hope you're doing the daily reading schedule or a reading schedule. But if you're doing the daily reading schedule, you're halfway through the Old Testament, the schedule that we have. They're free. They're at the Agape boxes. And we finished up Revelation 22:21. And so now we're back in Matthew chapter 1 yesterday, Matthew chapter 2 today. So if you haven't read your Bible, if you don't do it devotionally, I encourage you to do that. 15, 20, 25 minutes a day. Take time to be with the Lord and read from Genesis to Revelation. So important. For the word of God. Notice this. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. You see, if we stand upon the truths found within the word of God. Guys, this is applicable to you and me today in America in 2023. If we truly testify that Jesus is the only way to have eternal life with God, the Father in heaven, we will suffer persecution. It's happening. And this persecution could very well lead to tribulation, or more specifically, a time of suffering physically, mentally, emotionally, or a combination of all of those. In 2 Timothy 3.12, we read this, But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Notice that doctrine is essential. Don't let any church or any individual tell you, well, you know what? Doctrine is not that important. We just need to love one another. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Doctrine is key. Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions. If you're not familiar, this is Paul writing his last letter to a young pastor named Timothy. Notice, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And why did Paul endure them? Because of the word of God. And because he proclaimed that Jesus was the Messiah. And the only way that you could get to heaven was through Jesus. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and here's a wonderful biblical promise that you probably don't have memorized. You won't find this on a plaque. I don't even think you'll find this on a t-shirt anywhere. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
Have you seen any of that in the last three years? Within your own family members? And if you're saying anything on social media, you've been canceled or being canceled. You've been called all kinds of names. And you might be wondering, what's going on? Well, this is just a fulfillment of the scriptures. John 16, 33, Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. If you're trying to find peace in this culture, in this world, you're not going to find it. It changes day to day, moment by moment even now. This is Jesus speaking. That in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Another great promise. Thank you, Jesus. I'm, I want to be a Christian. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What's, what's it going to be? 70, 80 years? 90? My dad lived to be 100. So 100 years of trials and tribulation. And then what? Stepping into eternity where there's no clock. It's a light affliction. It's a very light affliction. You see here, John personally, personally, as we look at verse 9 here, he personally identifies with those who are also suffering under the hand of the Roman government or those ruled by Caesar. At this time, it was Caesar Domitian that was in power. He was continuing the practice of burning Christians at the stake as well as feeding them to the lions. Why? 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 The same reason why it is still happening to this day. Just because there are Christians. Why is the world coming after you? And maybe they're not coming after you because, you know, any dead fish, fish can float downstream. Maybe you're not saying anything. You know, I don't want to cause any ripples in the family. I don't want to cause any problems. I'm just going to be quiet. They're going to do what they're going to do anyways. Hmm. No, they need to know that you're a Christian, that you speak the truth in love. That's why it's happening. It's hard for us to appreciate the types of people that were in authority at that time since we live in America and we have so many freedoms. And those freedoms have been fading over the last few years as we have seen specifically Christians, Christians who have been canceled, fired, relieved of their responsibilities. You probably just saw the other day from the Supreme Court that you cannot make someone do something that goes against their conscience. Amen. That was a win. Praise God. But you know how long that gal endured that? Ten years. Being persecuted for ten years. Trials and tribulations for ten years. Because she would not create a website for a gay couple. She suffered persecution and then went through tribulation. That's reality here in America. From all areas of life, including what is one of the most important areas of all. What do you think might be one of the most important areas of all in our society, in any society? Public school teachers. Who has one of the biggest influences in a person's life in those formative years? Who has that influence? A public school teacher. A public school coach. And then there's the school environment. I mean, that's why the agenda is to eliminate Christians from public service. There was actually a school district, and they, the school district, and they were reprimanded before it got to go to court. But they said, if you're a Christian, no need to apply. They put that in writing for their school district. It came down very quickly. But they put it in writing. 
Why? To drastically change the school environment. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Hopefully you have your Bible and hopefully you'll be able to go through your Bible. Uh, The guys, the team always puts a slide up if you're not familiar with your Bible. Don't feel bad. Just get used to your Bible. Get used to flipping. Romans chapter 8, 35 through 39, because, because Paul lived under such rulers as well, and he had this to say about them, or anyone else who would try to come between the believer and their relationship with God. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Notice what he starts with. Shall tribulation? Because typically when we go through persecution or tribulation, we're kind of like, where are you, God? I'm a Christian. Where are you? What's going on? Most of the time, that's our first thought, unfortunately. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Guys, these were all things that the Christian was going through in the first century. Paul is listing a list, not a theoretical list here. Paul is listing what was actually happening in their lives at that time. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all what things? In all my comforts. In all the wonderful things that I have. Paul didn't list all those comforts, did he? He listed just the opposite. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, that could be the IRS and our government, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall do what? Shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is John on the island because God didn't love him? Is God punishing John? Is God upset with John? No, God loved John. And God had a plan and purpose. And referring to Domitian, he was one of the first emperors to demand worship. This previously would have been accepted. It wouldn't have been turned down, but they did not demand it. Domitian, though, he demanded that people address him as a god and worship him as such. It was the duty of every citizen to take a pinch of incense, place it on an altar of burning coals. And as they did that, they were to proclaim, Caesar is Lord. Sounds like today, doesn't it? The Republican Party will save you. The Democratic Party will save you. The Communist Party will save you. The Libertarians. Nobody will save me, so I'm not voting. Oh, okay. No, we got to do our right. We should vote. But it's very important to realize who's your God. John knew who his God was. If you didn't perform that ritual, you were looked upon as if you were in rebellion to Caesar and you could be executed or banished for such rebellion. And this was the authoritarian rule that John was living under, and yet he didn't give in to the wishes of Domitian, but submitted to what he knew was the truth, that Jesus was and is Lord. And that's a calling for you and I in the days we're living in. You know, you might think, well, this really isn't happening in America. Well, uh, just a few short years ago, within the last three years, there was a church in California by Calvary Chapel who, re- who shut down like we all did for about six weeks, and then they reopened. 
And upon reopening, the government came after them. And when it was all said and done, they had millions of dollars in fines. Millions of dollars in fines. They were being persecuted. They went through tremendous tribulation. They continued to teach the word and to stay open and to minister to their communion. They did the appropriate things. They weren't being, you know, whimsical or nonsensical. They were doing what they needed to do to protect the flock, so to speak. Fortunately, recently, I think it was about six months ago, all those fines were dropped because the pandemic finally came out. And everybody knows now it was just a pandemic. But what was the goal? To shut down and to separate. It's exactly what the Chinese do. It's exactly what any authoritarian government does. Shut things down and separate people. When you shut things down and you separate people, it's easier to control. But we have to take a stand. We have to take a stand. And Jesus has a plan and a purpose for even what we went through. And it's not easy to go through it. So when we read these verses, we want to realize, you know, this is, this is reality. Who am I going to say is Lord? Am I going to obey the government no matter what? Well, they know better. They know the science. <laughs> Fraudchi lied to us. Dr. Fraudchi, just so you know. The Center for Deceit lied to us. Tradition holds that Domitian had John boiled in oil in an attempt to kill him, yet God supernaturally delivered John, and no harm came upon him. Now, as an unbeliever, you might laugh at that. And even as a believer, you might think, oh, that couldn't have happened. It's impossible until you read some of the other Old Testament saints who endured just as much, and we'll touch on that in a few moments. But God kept him safe, and so John was exiled to the island of Patmos, Jerome mentions that John was banished to the island in the 14th year. So now this gives us an exact time frame. In the 14th year of Domitian, and after the emperor's death, he was set free to return to Ephesus, which he was pastoring when he was banished. Domitian died in 96 AD. So this gives us that that information on when John wrote his letters. So we can estimate that John spent roughly two years on this tiny, rocky island. It was 10 miles long, 5 miles wide, still there today, 40 miles off the coast of Turkey. So for John, this banishment probably meant hard labor in rock quarries, chained with fetters, cold nights on on the bare earth, as well as little food along with insufficient clothing. But even through all of that, most would have said, where are you, God? I mean, think of this. John has now been serving the Lord for 60, roughly 60 years. 60 years. Where are you, God? Yet this is the place and at that time that John received this prophecy that is soon to be fulfilled. Guys, we're living in biblical times. We are living in biblical times. You see, sometimes God allows persecution and tribulation to refine us and to further reveal himself to us. That's a a biblical principle that you need to know and to grow in as a Bible-believing Christian. Because we're not, you know, we're so comfy, cozy here in America. We don't like when we go through trials or tribulation. We just don't like it. 
But with God, when God allows something to happen in our lives, it's always to refine us. It's always to mature us. And it's always to reveal himself to us even more. Always. Now, I don't want to negate any type of situation that you're going through, but we do need to study the text. And what does the text say? I, John, back in Revelation 1.9, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was on the island that is called Patmos. Why? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. That's why he was being punished. John is not talking about everyday problems that all of us are subjected to, whether you're a believer or not. We all have to deal with common colds as well as deadly diseases. We all need to go to work to provide for our families. The believer as well as the unbeliever experiences tremendous emotional pain at times. I've been with people in the hospital as a chaplain. Unbelievers weeping over a child that that just drowned. Hysterical. And and you just, as a chaplain, you're there, you do whatever they would want you to do, and most of the time, they don't even know why you're there. But you just uh, are there out of love. And you just stand or sit, and you just listen, and you wait, and you patiently wait, and if they would like prayer, or if they'd like to know why, then you can share. The unbeliever grieves, guys. You know that. Well, so does the believer. It's a part of this life. But this is not what John is addressing here. You see, John is talking about the persecution as well as the possible tribulation that can come upon a person through their witness of Jesus being the Christ. Is this applicable at all in our community? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you've talked to any Mormons who have come out of Mormonism, who have received Jesus as their Savior, they go through tremendous persecution and tribulation to try to make them come back to Mormonism. So this is real. And you might know someone or might come to know someone, and you need to be there for them as a believer, that they have now are a believer. You need to let them know, hey, it's okay. This has been happening for centuries. You're not the first one. This has been happening. Are there any people in the Bible who took a stand for God and left us this example? How about some Hebrews that were alive during the time of Nebuchadnezzar? Daniel 1.7 To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, and to Hananiah, Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. You were probably familiar with the three pagan names. But there are the Hebrew names. These young men purpose in their hearts to worship the one true God no matter what the cost. And as most of you know the story, but if you don't, you can check it out in Daniel chapter 3. Daniel shows us the, the persecution as well as the tribulation that came upon these three young men. They, they were spoken evil of and thrown into a fiery furnace, but God was with them. And it appears that Jesus joined them in the fiery furnace. Read the story which I personally believe greatly impacted Nebuchadnezzar's life, and I believe we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. And none of this earthly nonsense will be remembered. But there was persecution and tribulation. 
And as I've confessed over the years, I've, I've never had to deal with this type of persecution or tribulation. So I'm in no way talking from personal experience. But from the point of what I, I believe we need to be prepared for, are we getting prepared for what is happening and what is coming upon us? Later on in the book of Daniel, Daniel himself came under intense persecution, which led to extreme tribulation in Daniel chapter 6. He was accused of false worship because he prayed to the God of heaven three times a day and his fellow peers didn't like that. That's not socially acceptable, Daniel. Matter of fact, we got the king to issue a decree that anyone prays to anyone, anyone besides the king, shall be thrown into the den of lions. And Daniel, you're going to be thrown into the den of lions. Yes, we got you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, today? People set a trap for you to walk into. You just got to keep serving God. They got him in trouble with King Darius, and Daniel ended up being thrown in the den of lions. I mean, that's pretty serious stuff. Just like Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah went through. How about Stephen in the New Testament? He was persecuted by the Pharisees and ended up being stoned to death by his fellow Jews because he acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He is the only way that you're going to get into heaven, Stephen said. And what did it cost him? His life. He was stoned, literally stoned to death. So what type of persecution or tribulation are you going through or am I going through? Again, I'm not trying to make light of what you may be going through personally. I sit with people, I hear stories, I'm not making light of that. It's very hard, it's very trying at times, I understand that. But is it what John is addressing here as we go through the scriptures? That's what we want, when you read the scriptures, you want to find out what John is or anyone else is addressing. John John identified with those who were suffering for the name of Jesus because there were thousands who were going through this type of suffering. Are you? Am I? Are we willing to do the same? And at this point in time, are we praying? Are we praying for those who are going through this type of suffering today? Well, I don't know anybody who's going through this suffering. Okay, what you need to do after the service, if you don't know anybody that's going through this type of suffering, what you need to do, what I encourage you to do, What I'd invite you to do is go out into our South Lobby and get information out of the missionaries. There are missionaries today that are dying in India, literally dying. Their houses are being burned down. Their churches are being destroyed in India, the largest country in the world now. They surpassed China in population. And Christians in some states, not all states, but in some states... Of India, Christians are being hunted down and martyred for Christ today in 2023. It's still happening in foreign lands. It's not that extreme here, but again, hopefully you've seen what's happened in the last few years to Christians in this land. Christian doctors that wouldn't get the vax. Christian nurses that wouldn't get the vax. What did your employer do? I've heard plenty of testimonies. So this is real, guys. It's not as drastic as losing your life. But how many people lost their jobs over the last three years? People that have a lot of brains. People that were doing a lot of good. You know what? We don't need you around here. You're fired. Wow. But those are the days 
that we are living in. I think we will all find out very soon as we see the Lord's return drawing even closer. And I personally think we need to start to prepare ourselves. I'm not talking about food. Yeah, do that. Ammunition, guns. Yeah, if you feel like doing that. But that's, no, 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 no. Spiritually, for this type of physical persecution, as well as possible life-threatening tribulation. But notice that John, as we read the verse, was also... Not only was brother and companion persecution, tribulation, but also the kingdom and patience of Jesus. Notice, I, John, verse 9, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ. You see, John knew, and this is for you and I this morning, John knew that one day he would step foot into the eternal kingdom of God. So what he suffered on this side of heaven was nothing compared to heaven itself. As we mentioned in the beginning of this letter, John is probably in his late 80s or early 90s, and he's still going through persecution. This was intense suffering for anyone, let alone someone at his age. But I love what Paul wrote in Romans and encouraged John. Think about this. John was the last of the apostles. He write, he's writing the last letters in the New Testament. Most of those, the last martyr was 30, roughly around 30 to 35 years prior to this date of John writing this. He's seen them all martyred for Christ. He's seen hundreds, if not millions at this point, first 300 years of the church, it's estimated, three to five million Christians were martyred for Christ. So he has seen hundreds of thousands, if not a million other saints, martyred for Christ. This isn't some guy in a lazy boy kicking back on an island with a cool breeze. He has seen tremendous things. He's heard the writings of Paul. He's probably studied them. Romans 8.18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That's a mindset. That you just don't, well, you know, I'm just going to wait till it happens and then I'll get there. <laughs> if that's your philosophy, it isn't going to work. That's like anybody in sports. Well, you know, when the, when the event happens, you know, then, then I'll, I'll be ready for it. Are you running? No. Are you swimming? No. Are you lifting weights? No, no, but I'll be ready. Okay. Same thing in our Christian faith, guys. If you're not being prepared, if you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to hone you and sharpen you to be ready, you will not be ready. So as we go through persecutions and tribulations, God will use us to bless and encourage one another. No matter how dark it may get, you will find someone else in the body of Christ who has probably been there or going through it right now. And they will be able to share with you how God brought them through. I can't divulge things, but there are families going through some very hard things in this church right now. Do you know them? That's what meet and greet is also for, to meet one another, learn names. Learn a name so you can pray for them throughout the week. Maybe they'll share with you, maybe they won't. That's up to them. I won't do that. But when you meet people like that, you get to go, wow, it's really happening. And it's happening right here in this church. Could it be happening down the road? Absolutely, it is happening down the road. Their own persecution or tribulations. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. 
And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. I mean, what a great thought. Now, most of us, we probably don't think in these terms, but for John, he obviously wanted to make a point. And what, is, what he is about to share is not something that he decided to dream up so he could write a book and sell it once he got off the island. No, he was very specific about what was taking place in his life at that time. Paul had this to say in Galatians 5. Again, I'm sure that John heard this. He probably had the opportunity to read this letter. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, capital S. That's the Holy Spirit that dwells within you. And the Holy Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do those things that you wish. So what is this thing of being in the Spirit? I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. What is this? I believe it's what most of us are doing right now. We're here because we want to be here. And if we're truly seeking after being more like Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to meet us here. If we're listening, if we're attentive, if we're going through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit's going to meet us. And He's going to minister to our hearts through His Word. Now this can happen anywhere, of course, being in the Spirit, that is. But there is something special about gathering as a body of believers. You see, it's absolutely scriptural. And unfortunately, it's something that we will see less of in these days. More and more people are moving away from attending church services for various reasons. And in so doing, it's affecting our whole culture. This is yet another reason to gather together as believers got a video that we're going to show you to emphasize this. Joseph, if you could knock down some lights. It's about six, about a seven-minute video. Pay careful attention to the stats. There's a lot of stats. church in free fall. Recent findings from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University found a growing decline in Christian beliefs and church attendance. George Barna is director of research at the ACU Center. George, thank you for joining us. So the American church isn't bouncing back the way we'd hoped for after the pandemic. Evangelicals are in trouble. So tell us what's happening and why. Well, the big picture is when we look at some of the measures that often are looked at, like church attendance, we find that that has dropped since the beginning of the pandemic. A lot of people dropped out of church, never returned. If we look at what's happened in the last six years, uh, you know, there's there's been a very significant decline from 56% of adults attending at least once a month down to 35% now. So that's a huge shift. We look at Bible reading. Uh, over the course of the pandemic, you would have thought that would have been a time where more people would have picked up God's Word to get guidance, but turned out that was not the case. And so what we've seen is a decline from 37% reading the Bible outside of any kind of church events during the course of a week, 37% down now to about 33%. And even those people who consider themselves to be Christian, regardless of what their belief profile may indicate, if we just look at those who embrace the name of Christianity, that also has continued its skid over the last number of years. We've gone uh, down below the 70% mark now. We're down at 68%. So for a nation that used to have more than 9 out of 10 of its adults who at least claim to be Christian, now down to 2 out of 3, that's something that we need to pay attention to. 
And, and what I found most shocking, George, was you're finding that only 55% of evangelicals believe that people are born sinners and can only find salvation in Jesus Christ. Did that shock you? This is a core evangelical Christian belief. Why do you think the church is faltering on that? Well, there are some things that we know that even evangelical churches tend not to talk about very much. Sin is one of those issues. The reality of Satan is another one of those issues. When you start putting together the variety of things that evangelical churches, much less other Christian churches, don't talk about very much, you can begin to see why these patterns emerge. And so you've got that. And then also look at the fact that a third of the people who sit in evangelical churches every week would not probably qualify as born-again Christians. Only God really knows. But the research simply tries to estimate where do people stand spiritually. And when we ask people what they think will happen to them after they die, and we find that a third of the people that regularly attend evangelical churches do not believe that after they die they're going to go to heaven and only because they've confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That, too, is a core evangelical perspective, but you've got a large share of the people in those churches that don't buy it. And you've been doing this for a long, long time. I know you've been doing this for many years. So does any of this surprise you, or do we see the culture starting to creep into the churches rather than the churches influencing the culture? Yeah, honestly, this is a pattern that we started seeing about a quarter of a century ago, and it has simply continued. In evangelical churches, it's been a much slower decline than, say, in mainline churches or other Christian churches. But nevertheless, that decline has continued. And the pandemic was one of those opportunities for it to grow a little bit faster than normally it might have. So I, I think that's what we're seeing here. When we look even at things like people's perspectives on the sanctity of life, uh, we find that among evangelicals, only four out of ten would say that human life is sacred. And you've only got about half of them saying that abortion for any reason other than to spare the life of the mother or the child is morally unacceptable. So there's rampant biblical confusion or resistance, even in evangelical churches across the country. So what are the consequences of, of this then, not only for the church, but our society as well, of this decline in core beliefs and church attendance continues? Well, one of the things that we could suggest is that evangelical churches are losing their theological distinctives. As far as the public is concerned, now one Christian church is pretty much the same as any other. And it's hard to find evidence that that's not the case. Culturally, I think the scary part is that when you look to that group of people in our nation who can stand up biblically against many of the unusual, bizarre, immoral changes that are being proposed in public policy, that are being taught in our public schools, that parents are wrestling with as they're trying to figure out how to raise their children. In all of these areas, we're finding fewer and fewer people who embrace biblical perspectives, fewer and fewer people who are capable of defending biblical perspectives in the public square. And so it's, it's one of those situations, I think, where 
all of us need to sit back and say, wow, am I part of the problem or part of the solution? And if I'm part of the solution, how committed am I to being out there in the marketplace being that solution on a daily basis. Okay, salt and light. George Barna of ACU's Cultural Research Center. Thank you for taking the time to share those insights. We appreciate it, George. Thank you so much. There was a lot of stats in there. I hope you I hope you heard some of them. You probably want to maybe look that up and look at it three or four or five times. There was a lot of stats, but that's reality. And so for you and I, 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 3. I want to share these few verses with you. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 and 3. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. We know after the rapture, the Antichrist is going to be revealed. But another sign of the last days is a falling away from biblical doctrine. I hope you heard him say that. Churches are afraid to talk about sin, address sin. Um, I know some mega churches did not say one thing when Ray, Roe v. Wade was overturned. Not one thing. And now, a, a year later, it's estimated, they don't have concrete numbers, but they estimate that 200,000 babies have been saved by that being overturned. 200,000 babies. And it is a baby from conception. It is a human life. Unless the falling away comes first. So this is what we're going to see more of. So he mentioned a question, and so I added to it a little bit. So a question needs to be put forth. Am I going to be a part of the problem? Or am I going to stay focused on being part of the solution? Am I willing to gather with others more in the verses that we're talking about here or less? Because when you listen to those statistics, there's less gathering together. You've made a commitment, but it's not just Sunday morning. I really want to encourage you to come out on Wednesday nights, come out to men's Bible studies, come out to women's Bible studies, because as the days grow darker... We're going, to need more, we're going to need each other more and more and more. There is no doubt that we're in the last days, which means we need one another. Continue to encourage yourself, encourage your family and others to gather together, because more persecution is going to take place, which will bring tribulation. But as we've read so many times, God is with us and will bring us through whatever he allows the enemy to throw at us. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And these are just facts. They're just stats. They're not about emotions. This is reality. And so, Lord, help us to be able to contend for the faith, to be able to take a stand, to be able to lead someone to the cross, to ask people if they need prayer, and they might mock us, they might ridicule us, they might just say no and shut us down. Or they might just say, you know what? Yes, I, I need prayer. Father, help us to become lovingly vocal. Help us to become lovingly vocal that we might reach people for Jesus Christ. This world hold, does not hold the answer. The Word of God holds the answer. 
And we as ambassadors for Christ want to be used of you this week. We want to be used on this campus. We want to be used in our workplace. We want to be used in our neighborhood. We want to be used with those who cross our paths, whatever that may look like. Father, we want to be used. There's only so much time left. So fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we'll be ready to be used because we're filled with the Holy Spirit, not relying upon our own brain power. We study, we do what we need to do, but we're going to rely upon your Holy Spirit to fill us, to guide us, to strengthen us. Father, we thank you and we praise you for this time. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.